0: Let's Keep It Going, the podcast of Emmaus Church, where we sit down with Pastor Nick to have extended discussion over last week's message, in the hope that it inspires ideas in and around the Emmaus Church community. If you missed last week's message, have a question, or just want to know more about Emmaus Church, you can visit us at www.emmauschurchsc.com. Now, let's keep it going. Hello. Welcome Welcome back. starting. Yeah. Oh,
1: we're ready.
2: Hey.
3: This is how it goes, Dylan. I'm ready.
2: We got Dylan here.
3: Let's keep it
2: going. Who else do we have? Hey, Nick.
0: Hi, Lindsay. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. Hey. Okay. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah.
1: What did Dylan. You
0: do? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, <laughs> well, she, she, she went around <laughs> and introduced everybody by being like, "Hey, Lindsay. Hey, or hey, uh-huh. Dylan. Hey, Nick. Hey, yeah. Thomas." So he but was no covering. one, no one was doing "Hey, Lindsay." Oh, and you did it twice. I yeah. know, but like
2: he did it back. He echoed.
0: I, I did gotcha. it back. I introduced her. Okay. Yeah. Um, never mind. <laughs>
2: so we've spent a lot of time together this week. I feel like we should we have, have. A, a disclaimer. We're all just a little Loopy. bit goofy today. Right at this table. Mm-hmm. 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 But we have Dylan today. Hey, Dylan.
1: Hey. Welcome. Dylan. Thanks for having me. It's funny being a guest. Really. Yeah.
2: Have you y'all been listening? Are really official. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Super> <laughs> this is so official. And yeah. professional. Well, Super I, I professional. I
3: meant that, though. Yeah, y'all are. We have heard from so many people, they want to get to know the staff. Yes.
1: They feel like they don't know you, Dylan. Me? Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want me to introduce myself? Yeah. Sure. Or... Do you want me to introduce you? I would lo- I'm curious what you're going to say. All right. Yeah.
2: So our friend Dylan Gunnels found us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the few staff members that... Wasn't a connection or a prior relationship and he saw some goofy Facebook posts Instagram. that with Instagram. Instagram. Instagram the countdown
3: app. videos, remember those? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and he came to visit us and introduced himself and we stalked him. I did.
3: Timeout. Do you remember when Thomas went and <laughs> held up signs? <laughs>
0: <laughs> On the
2: street corner, like, <laughs> like have a good oh, yeah, yeah.
0: day. Yeah, have yeah. a good day. Hope you're having a good one. Your, your, I remember yeah. that was one of Honk the things I awesome. saw. I think oh, like, stuff like that. Your
2: hair yeah. looks great today. Yeah. Oh, I love
0: it. I love. It. I feel we should do more of that. Stuff. Yeah, we got. I got. got to pull those back out. Those were <laughs> great.
1: Sorry.
2: So, anyways, Dylan found us, came to visit, left his contact information. I stalked you, he
1: and did. then the next week you came you back. Scared me the next. Week. I
2: asked about some of what you were involved with, and. It didn't scare him away. He stuck with us, joined our staff, and he was just saying how it's always felt like you've always been a part of it, and it does feel that way. You, mm-hmm. um, you're you a gem. You mm-hmm. are a perfect mm-hmm. fit. Uh, Dylan Gunnels by far has the largest heart of anybody I know, oh, uh, and he works in the nonprofit world, and I think everything you have your hand in, which is a lot, uh, has to do with making the world and people better. Yeah. Um, you have the agape table, which yeah. is, advocacy, education for queer community, platform, dialogue, things like that. Okay. And the
3: church. It's like a bridge, right? Your yeah. Tr- yeah. The Absolutely. work here at the
2: church. And then Haven Home, which mm-hmm. focuses on the big problem of housing yeah. and mm-hmm. housing insecurity. Did I cover all your professional yeah, resume? Yeah. She
0: did way better yeah. than I did last week. <laughs> <Kira>. <laughs> okay. you ever have imposter syndrome with all this stuff? that Every you do? day. Like, oh, yeah. Do you feel like, not only do you feel like, why am I doing this or if I'm doing it, doing it or am I doing it for the right reasons like this like sort of because I feel like there's like an attack on like people who want to do good things Mm -hmm. and there's always like a like why are you doing that yeah you know do you ever feel like you even question yourself sometimes because you do a lot of good things thank you
1: I don't question why um but I definitely question myself I mean my first full-time real big boy job was while I was still in school I was lead pastor Hmm. in Charleston. So that's Hmm. why that kind of helps clear up the timeline that people Mm -hmm. sometimes get confused. They're like, you pastor for four years? And that's why, I mean, I was, gosh, a sophomore in college when when I was the intern. Wow! And by my junior year of college, I was lead pastor. So my first big boy job was pastor. And then I moved into refugee and immigrant services work. And in the intermediary, when I was discovering myself, I did sales. And then, you know, Ever since I did case management, I just fell into development and, and professional fundraising. I fell into this position with Emmaus. I fell into the executive director role at Havenholm. So yeah, every day I'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm really doing hmm. out here, but I think I'm getting it right. Um, but yeah, imposter syndrome is very real.
3: I still can't get over you pastoring your church your sophomore year college. I was no. waiting tables at O'Charlie's.
1: My <laughs> well, sophomore I did those college. things too yeah. until I found this gig and it was just the right time, but... Um it was crazy to be in class mm-hmm. studying hermeneutics and reading Hebrew and I remember doing a book study of John as one of my classes and so our series at church was John so it was nice in that regard yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah I look back and I'm like how they were crazy hmm. but they took a risk wow I have the
0: most privileged story but also hilarious I could ever tell you so about O'Charlies <laughs> crazy O'Charlie story uh-huh. So By the I way, was at of Rolls
1: at O'Charlie's. Oh yeah. I don't think I've They've ever, really gone down to an O'Charlie's oh. working
3: there.
0: I was out of college mm-hmm. and I needed another job. And so my friend Patrick got me a job. He manages O'Charlie's and he got me a job as a waiter at O'Charlie's on the first day. And he was like, just show up for this day. I'm not gonna be there today, but just show up. So I show up, <laughs> and the guy is training me, was like, I'm sitting here, I'm just like, why am I here? I don't want to wait tables. And I'm like, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. You You walked out. And so he was like, all right, I'm going to be back in like an hour. I want you to memorize this whole menu and we'll see how well you've memorized it since when I come back. And I'm just sitting here reading the menu. I'm like, I don't want to be here. So I just, (laughs) I just get up and I leave. You left. And it was like the most, and I've done that twice in my life,
2: the, the other was at We're, Starbucks, right? No,
0: no, no. I got no. <laughs> that, that one was Loveland Coffee, and I got fired. From got fired, <laughs> but they still love him there. They still love me.
2: He just
3: got fired. He um, wasn't good at
0: it. I just wasn't good at it. He was good at the I coffee part. You,
3: though, was Loveland not the people part?
0: Yeah, yeah. I hate people. No, yes. I, no, I love people. Um, uh, and the second one was I worked at Plato's Closet. <laughs> I was the only Why? dude. I was the only dude over Why? twenty. Working at Plato's Closet because I liked clothes. Like, but they
2: didn't sell men's clothes.
0: Yeah, they did. Uh huh. No, yeah, oh, they yeah. did. sell men's oh, yeah. clothes. And like, yep. I was just like, it seems like a really easy. So are you like total Pac Sun guy back in the day, like Pac yeah. Sun, Marine an Eagle. Oh, and so like God. I, I would fold I would I was over twenty one <laughs> at Plato's Closet. Everybody else was there was sixteen. <laughs> I was the only guy there doing it, and like they abused me because my schedule was so free, <laughs> and. I, one day I was just like, hey, I'm not coming back to work. It's like, (laughs) I I slowly realized, like, I can just tell people no. And there's very little repercussions over, other than like the ones that I'm aware of, like not working anymore. Okay.
1: Well,
0: well,
2: I do feel like we're learning a lot. Um,
0: About you. you. I'm a terrible person. We're here to learn about Dylan. All right. So
2: so we uh, we got the Dylan resume. Uh, Let's shift. I feel like we should cue the fun game show music to some rapid fire questions I'm to see ready. if we can get to know you as a person a little bit
0: better. These might sound
1: familiar. I thought you were doing the ESPN. All right. We're ready. All
2: right. Don't overthink them.
1: Okay. All right. Cats or dogs? Oh, gosh. Already overthinking. If I have to pick one, it's dogs.
2: That is the correct answer. But I
1: love cats, too. I just want that to be known. We have three cats and three dogs.
2: All right. Your go-to movie when you need a mood boost.
1: Bridesmaids.
2: Really? Yeah. That is a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. It's just
1: a good laugh, yeah. and it's always a good laugh. I
2: like the airplane. John Wick. Yes. John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> John uh, Favorite room in your house?
1: Oh, well. It's got to be the kitchen. My, no, I don't cook. Um, my house is more of an open concept, if you will. It's not a huge house, so the main room i guess like the living room space the Uh, room yeah the room not not my bedroom not the bathroom (laughs) the room
2: how do you spell okay
1: okay a y yeah for sure
2: do you have a secret talent
1: a secret talent oh
2: or maybe something about you we don't we don't know
1: I think I already pulled this card, though, is that a lot of people at the church don't know that I still have a musical background. I don't don't really really use it anymore.
2: I didn't Mm. know that. But like
1: Like the recorder? No, I played trumpet since I was in the sixth grade. Oh, that sounds familiar. Um, And I minored in music in college. Really? Really? And so when I first went to Charleston Southern, I was a music and worship leadership major. That was the first time they were offering that major. So you got a degree in music and a degree in theology. And then I got into the theology classes, and I realized how much my time would be spent in music. And I was like, "Nope, I like the theology part, hmm. but I still love music." So I got to minor, and so hmm. I did trumpet through college. Yeah. I failed the recorder.
3: That's
1: not possible. <laughs> it that's is not that's, possible. that's a that's I a warped memory.
2: Have, like that, I don't nope. think that happened. <laughs> I could
3: not do "Mary Had a Little Lamb." How? Just couldn't do it. You just blow into it. I am the least musically inclined
1: person <laughs> on planet Earth. I you couldn't know. play the recorder. I
3: could not play the recorder.
2: Oh, man. All right. Do you prefer talking on the phone or texting?
1: This is going to surprise people probably, but talking on the phone. I am more efficient and appreciate texting throughout the day if possible, but I would much prefer to talk.
3: Raise your hand if you're actually surprised by that.
2: I'm not.
1: Oh, I just figure because I always push people to text me. Like, Or I'm always texting. But
2: If you could use magic to do one mundane thing for the rest of your life what would it be
1: my schedule
2: and then what would you name this magic
1: spell wait let me step back is this like just in my life like i can Mm -hmm. be selfish about this. yes yeah scheduling like if there was just one way that you could just magically know when the other person's available and you're available and it just magically lands on the calendar and what
2: would you name that spell if you had to conjure the spell
1: That's hard. Schedule Oleo? S- schedule Oleo. <laughs> Stop sucking time Olio. sounds like there's
0: a guy named Oleo that you have
1: to schedule. Schedule <laughs> Oleo. <laughs> I think also because obviously that can be done a little bit now with technology, I think the other thing would be um, just cleaning the house. Mm. Like I enjoy it, but I also am happy if it's done. So if I could just wave the wand and it's done. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. I got one of those dysons that hook up to the wall mm-hmm. that are battery want, powered. Those yeah. are the coolest things ever. What do you mean they you have hook up a hook to the wall. They, you mount it to the wall and the charger and you just sit it on the wall and it charges and that's wireless. Hmm. And it's just as powerful as a normal vacuum. And like for a smaller house it works perfectly, especially if you have mostly hard wood because there's an attachment mm-hmm. that yeah. scans the floor with green laser. And you can see all the dust and hair and dead skin and all that gross stuff. Nice. And then Did it, it I, vacuums it up. And you can tell how clean it is after you va- Like It's amazing. I Did I miss everything. the memo
2: that our podcast had paid sponsorship?
0: You know, I, so. <laughs> you know, I wish it was paid. <laughs> all so,
3: right. <laughs> I, up to the wall, I was thinking
2: about a vacuum. Rich house. Oh, yeah. that had yeah. like the central vacuum. Every na- yes. I think Where's those people? are making uh-huh. those are making a comeback, I think. They're
1: the best. My godparents had that, too, where it was like a vacuum system in the garage, mm-hmm. but there were little holes around the house, mm-hmm. and you would just sweep it into the hole. Mm. It was awesome. Mm.
2: Last question. Besides this podcast, what is your favorite podcast to listen to?
1: Oh, gosh, there's a list of those. Um, I always listen to, well, um, Joan Gary is the Nonprofit Leadership Lab. She's incredible. I listen to that religiously um i listen to the holy post uh pretty much religiously um the daily and those are like the top three yeah but there's a list i love podcasts
3: it's good stuff good stuff i feel like i know dylan
1: yep nice i feel like if your podcast and my
0: podcasts had a baby it could like (laughs) save the planet yeah it would bridge all gaps and understanding, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think my it, hopes. it would literally—it <laughs> <My hopes.
1: laughs> would literally
0: mend all bridges. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about great. Jonah. Yeah, let's talk all about right. Jonah. Well, Jonah. Well, can I say
2: something about the series before we get sure. into Jonah? I feel just between Job and Jonah, you're really highlighting how brilliant the Old Testament writers were. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I gave them nearly enough credit for what they were up to. Yeah. Um, like not surface level writing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my... Which
3: is totally fair because when you're reading something that's not in its original language, mm-hmm. you know, mm. I'll be honest, I remember when I was younger reading through the Bible and being like, I'm supposed to think this is like smart or like yeah. well said, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you when you do the work to kind of reconnect with the original language, the original audience, the time the attention, you're like, whoa. You know, they well, have some help.
2: Yeah, even like the just the, from a literature standpoint of how they're put together and what they're referencing, like mm-hmm. that's been that's been really fascinating. Hmm.
3: That's cool. That was one of the intentions of the series was to maybe pique people's curiosity, you know, in the Bible. But Jonah's a fun one, right? I mean, it's something mm-hmm. that we're all familiar with on some point, some level.
2: He's a goober, huh? Mm. Big goober. That <laughs> yeah, <Jonah. laughs>
1: that's the word, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, what would you uh? I'm just curious. What do you, what do you, what do you appreciate? What are you still thinking about? What stayed with you since Sunday?
0: Why well, do that? I, I try to take like the subjects and the people in the Bible and try to like equate it to like common, like, or like now, mm-hmm. like who would, who would these people mm-hmm. be now? Yeah. Like in terms like, so like the good Samaritan, like you think of he was like the most hated person mm-hmm. of the people, the audience that Jesus was talking to. Mm-hmm. So like, it would be like, if Jesus was talking to Democrats, it would be Trump was a good Samaritan or mm-hmm. the opposite. It would be like, or Biden was the, mm-hmm. you know, that right. type of thing. Or like the, so f- for the people of Nineveh, it would be like the worst of the, it, mm-hmm. it would be like the worst of the worst people. Yeah, And God asking Jonah to, to go there yeah so i'm like trying to like like who help me out who would be mm-hmm. who would be people who would be the ninevites nowadays
3: i imagine it'd be like a isis like oh, yeah Or I mean i'm thinking oh, of a ukrainian yeah. Yeah. Who, getting sent to moscow to preach like, yeah. i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of shock that it would have felt like you know or like
0: yeah like um or like if a nor just a normal christian had to go to the westboro baptist church and give us yeah one. Like.
1: A normal Christian. <laughs> An adorable Christian? No, you said normal. A normal <laughs> Christian.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a, real,
3: a real Christian. Whoever you would say, no, not them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's who the Ninevites were. Mm-hmm. You know? I
1: think that's the reflection that I got is that it's a bigger picture about a personal experience, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we all have that person, even if it's one person or if it's one people group. Yep. We, yep. we all have that one we don't want to go, quote, preach to or prophesy or...
3: Which I think gets to the bigger the bigger goal or intention that I think God is up to. Like, what's it mean to be saved? Mm. I don't think it just means to be on the right team. Mm-hmm. I think it means to have something in you so radically change or shift that that whole concept just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. You know, like this tribal mentality of these are the righteous and the good, and these are the bad ones that have to be extinguished. So you got to make sure you're on the good team and you do it. You know, I think what God's up to you see this especially in Jesus I mean you know his whole teaching on the plank in your eye and the speck you know in your brother's eye judgment the plank is judgment like that is the plank that is the thing getting in the way of everything else it's like that's the thing God wants to kill in us you know what I mean Mm -hmm. not just make sure you're on the right team but man to be rescued from this this like weird sort of drive and nervous energy about like who's good and right and wrong and all that you know Mm -hmm.
1: What's the need it's that need to defend God almost mm-hmm. that I feel like comes with that, with that tribalism or being on the same team or being on the right team. is like God needs me to defend what's right and make sure that you follow exactly what's right. Mm. And I would argue even Jonah, as a f- story pushes back on that, because really Jonah didn't say much mm. to get them to, you mm-hmm. know, join his team, quote unquote. Mm. Like I would argue Jonah didn't do much at all mm-hmm. <laughs> in that regard. And so it proves that that's not really what God's after, hmm. is just being on the right team.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What are you thinking about? What, what stayed with you, Lindsay?
2: Um, I, I liked the depiction of God in this story. I saw
3: a little better than Joe. A little better than <laughs> Joe. Um,
2: just like, you know, it was just a beautiful depiction. You know, he he not only saved Jonah, you know, from mm-hmm. from a fish, the vomit. Uh, depiction, which is lovely, but the second chance and mm-hmm. who he decided to give grace mm-hmm. and 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 mercy to, um, and then obviously, I feel like you could even go down the path of thinking how, you know, the reluctant prophet Jonah mm-hmm. juxtaposed to Jesus—like how much different could they be?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Jesus references Jonah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and everybody thinks he's just talking about. His, his death and resurrection. Because the Pharisees are like demanding a sign. Mm-hmm. They're like, prove to us that you really are, you know, who, who people are saying you are. And he says, the only sign you'll be given is the sign of Jonah, who was in the belly of the, the whale for three days and three nights. So it's obvious reference, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a reference to the heart of the story. I mean, in that story, the least likely people to respond to God's grace do. And the one who's supposed to doesn't. That's exactly the case that, Mm. Jesus is experiencing with the Pharisees even says at the end of of time, the Ninevites are going to stand up, you know, in opposition towards you. Like Mm -hmm. they're getting it. And so that was happening in Jesus' day too, Mm -hmm. is the people that were supposed to understand were the ones who were getting in the way, Mm -hmm. you know, the new thing God was up to. Mm -hmm. And the people who had been sort of dismissed and kind of, you know, ostracized, they were the ones that were flooding in to this new movement, you know, that was happening. So yeah, he references the heart of the story, which for me, I don't know if you feel this way, man, whenever I heard Jonah taught, you know, growing up, like on the flannel graph or whatever, um, I feel like it always stopped at like chapter three, mm. you know, it was just about Jonah running away from God's call in his life. Mm. Don't run away from God's call in your life. Mm-hmm. You might get swallowed by a fish, you know what I mean? And then of course, chapter three is like, see what happens when mm-hmm. he finally, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody leaves out chapter four. You know, the, the whole conversation between Jonah and God mm-hmm. wasn't avoiding the Ninevites because he was afraid. Mm-hmm. He was avoiding them because he was angry. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't want them to be forgiven. Yeah. You know, and that's the heart of the story.
2: Do we think Jonah ever got it? Hmm. I, that's the brilliance of the storyteller, though. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Because leaves it leaves you to decide. Yeah. It's not really about him in the first place. I love how it ends. It ends with this conversation, this yeah. argument almost between... God and Jonah, and it's almost like it leaves it hanging because you're Jonah. Yeah. You get to decide how this ends. Yeah, like are you going to, you know, uh, come around to God's grace, mm-hmm. not being fair, or are you going to keep insisting that you know who deserves, you know, punishment, judgment? You know, so I think it's like it's kind of dust. Like yeah. a choose your own ending, mm-hmm. you know, sort of story. It's well, it's
1: funny that you say that about you know, the way it's been taught, because you and I talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. this week after the message, is that I will never forget being in high school, senior year of high school, and mm-hmm. you go on, you know, church camp or things like that, like weekend retreats. And this weekend retreat was called Man Up. Mm-hmm. And we had these black t-shirts and in big white letters, it said Man Up with an exclamation mark. They and, have a monster and truck. Jonah, it was literally Jonah 1-1, a monster truck. No. <laughs> and it was all about like, not missing God's call on your life and learning to be obedient, listening to the voice Mm -hmm. of God. It was like the whole weekend. And it went, it's funny that you say that because now that I'm reflecting, I think it was a three-day thing and it stopped chapter three. Hmm. I think it was one, two, and three, and then it was over. And it was all about that, like, you got to listen to God's call. Look what happened to Jonah when he didn't listen to God's call. And then look at how God saved. And and it's like, yeah, you know, maybe there's some element of Mm -hmm. that in here for sure but I had never heard it put the way that you put it this past weekend about it being about God's grace. Mm-hmm. And it really got me reflecting. Cause again, that, that conference was like really in your face, mm-hmm. like man up, do what God said. And like, it's like, what a beautiful picture instead of like, mm-hmm. Hey, no, God's grace just has no bounds. Mm-hmm. And so how do you love your neighbor? How do you mm-hmm. love your enemy? How do you serve? How do you live? Um, and then it really got me reflecting this idea of like this old Testament God versus this new Testament God. And I'm like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm like, where do we get that? Mm -hmm. If we're really pointing, if it's all pointing to Jesus and Jesus is the culmination of who God is, did we just hit the end of the old Testament? And it was like, okay, here, Hmm. like if God was always, or if Jesus is always a reflection of who God always was, Mm -hmm. then wouldn't this story really be more meaningful Mm -hmm. if it's about the grace of God? Yeah. Then about the wrath of God. Yeah.
3: I mean that do you want to add to that? Oh, no. I think um that, that question is just I asked so many times, you know. The question essentially is why does God seem so different, you know, in Old Testament, New Testament?
1: Is that kind of what you're Yeah, but is he? That's what I'm saying is if you're reading it if you're reading the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus is he really that different? Or are we still well, able to find the message of grace and redemption?
3: Yes to that.
1: I do think through it all. I do
3: think people have legitimate reasons for feeling that way mm. you know because there's other i mean you go to the book of nahum which is two chapters two books to the right and it's all about how assyria is about to just be late way you know they're gonna get leveled and they deserve it and they're evil they were awful i mean let's be honest <laughs> jonah's this is a fictional story right. you know there's no this is there's no evidence the assyrians ever what re- kind of repented. fish
0: was it nick oh man was it a whale <laughs> i bet it was a whale shark was it a whale
3: shark <laughs> i bet it was um but I mean, even we're going to get into Ruth this Sunday, and it's a perfect example of how you find these conflicting messages in the Bible.
1: Mm.
3: Like Ruth is a book about a Moabite hero, and there's all sorts of passages throughout, the, especially the earlier parts of the Old Testament. Moab was awful; they, were, they weren't allowed to, to participate. You yeah. know, essentially, they're cousins, Israel to Israel. You know, but um, you find these conflicting messages you know so you do see like man god is real but i think you have to if you put them in the order like if you put it in the in the if you arrange it according to when it was written jonah is one of the one of the later books you know so is ruth they're written later you see this much more generous and loving and compassionate picture of god Mm -hmm. like there is a legitimate progression to how the people of god understood god so i don't think it's god changing it's us. That's it's exactly the, the, what I was it's about It's the to perspective ask. and the understanding of what God's like. I mean, golly, you read in Isaiah, you get into the later parts of Isaiah, and it's this picture of there being a banquet table where everybody's welcome to eat. Like, that's God's kingdom. You know, mm-hmm. you see hints of that from the very beginning. I mean, the, the conversation with Abraham, you know, uh, the first time the covenant's made, the, the promise is made. It's like, I'm going to bless you to bless everybody else. Like, that's the heart of the call of Israel, people of God, you know, so you see hints of it, but you still see like so much of their, how they think about God and power and how things work still getting projected on the God, mm-hmm. you know, and that gets knocked off more and more as you keep reading in the Bible. And it ultimately, you know, it, the clearest picture we get is Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. But and I love how that all like the tension between the different things, Um, That's not to say like the older stuff doesn't matter. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when you read earlier and there is this call to be different, you know, uh, this call to be distinct from the other nations, that's a message we need to hear, you know, because everybody likes to point out how the church participated in racism, you know, how it's been historically involved in, you know, uh, yes, but that's not, it's not because the church is being Christian. It's because the church is assimilated it's allowed cultural values to dictate how there is a call to distinction. So I think we don't just throw out those parts of the Bible that are like, you know, anti other nations or whatever. I think you have to understand, understand there's a need for that. Yeah. But when that becomes distinct and it becomes exclusionary mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: or elitism, mm. then there's a caution. That's not the right way, you know, to be distinct, mm-hmm. you know, be different in a different sort of way. Yeah. Don't be different in the same old, tribal kind of way. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep.
1: Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you said, like I said, exactly what I was going to ask. Is it really God changing or is it a people's perception of God changing mm-hmm. over time?
0: Yeah. And I think
1: that's what I love because that, again, lends itself to the human experience. Our perception of God changes as we grow and as we learn and as we find community. We're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because the same people, you know, that... They- they say God is unchanging. You point you point to scriptures, you mm-hmm. know, that. But you can also point to scriptures where God tells us to kill our enemies. Mm-hmm. And then you can point to scriptures where Jesus says, no, yeah, you love them. You love your enemies. That's how you're like God. So you have to reconcile that. Like, how do, how do you really reconcile that? Yeah. You know, that's not just like, I don't like that. It's like, those are very different pictures of what God is like, you know? So I would, I mean, Jesus says, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Mm-hmm. You want to know what God's like? Me. Mm-hmm. Like this is what God is like, always has been. And so the the task of the Christian is to filter our reading of Scripture through that. And so Jesus said, drop it. We drop it. We don't pick it back up and use it when it's convenient for us. I mean, how many how many wars have been fought, you know, uh, justifying it because of what God told the people in Joshua to do? Yeah. You know, Jesus said, drop that.
1: Yeah.
3: And so we can't pick it back up.
2: That's Not so helpful
3: for Christians, you know. That's helpful. <clears throat>
1: in what way?
2: Just I mean, just thinking of it that way, mm-hmm. like simplify it down. Sometimes we overthink and overanalyze mm-hmm. and want to dig in deeper to prove a point. Like if you just sim- just simplify it down to words and actions of Jesus.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean that's why we did the Sermon on the Mount for so long. Mm-hmm. For me, that is the most important part of the Bible, and it was for the early church. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, this is this is Jesus's vision for what it means to be human. This is Jesus' vision for how the kingdom of God operates. Like, you know, and it's so funny, the early church fathers, before the church had power, like when the church was still this sort of like underground, you know, kind of thing. The most quoted verse in the church writings was love your enemies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the one they went to all the time. Because Jesus said, this is how you're mature Mm -hmm. and complete like God, Mm -hmm. right? If you do this, it's quoted all over the place. And then if you look post 300s, when the church becomes the official religion of Rome, that one conveniently, you don't hear it as much. You don't find it as much, mm-hmm. you know, it's because now they're in power, you know, and now people are in power. What do they have to do their enemies? You know, you have to keep them enemies so that you can justify yep. what you're doing, yep. you know, and it's just, we got a major on, on the words of Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. for sure.
2: Can we talk a little bit about anger? Sure. I think Uh. the plant part was the funniest (laughs) part (laughs) of the whole breakdown. You know, he gets to this point where he's angry about the plant than he is about the people that Mm -hmm. were chosen to be saved. And, you know, is your anger justified? Mm. And Mm. I think it was such a ridiculous example that, you know, in Jonah's situation, no, Mm. (laughs) no, Mm. it wasn't. But in our situation in real life, you know, you know, if God is asking you, is your anger justified? Mm. Um, what a good check and balance that could Mm -hmm. be maybe to even reflect back on the silly story to be like, who am I not showing mercy and grace to, or Mm -hmm. am I allowed to be angry?
3: Hmm. 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 Can you, can you, can you do both? Like,
2: I think so. Yeah.
3: Can you be angry about something in the world that's broken? But then when it comes to like, we often do is allow that anger to push us over into like, righteous indignation
2: Mm -hmm.
3: you know where we totally dehumanize that group or whatever and we forget about all the ways in which we've participated in Mm -hmm. things you know what i mean like there's this like righteousness that springs up in us that almost justifies our uh the way we treat them you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which i why i think chapter two so brilliant like that, that was the big light bulb for me was Jonah in the belly of the whale. I've always struggled with that. Even when I got the flow of the story, I'm like, chapter two just seems kind of strange. Like he's in there praying all these. But I started really thinking about who's reading this. Hmm. They're reading it. Jonah's circulating at a time when like there is this newfound zeal for being Jewish. You know, uh, this emphasis on like, we are God's chosen. We are the ones who are, I mean, it's circulating at a time and that's really ramped up, you know. So this is a kind of funny poking at like, um, you you have this attitude towards all these outsiders, and you, you have this sort of sense that you you know who deserves grace and who deserves judgment. Don't forget about all the times God bailed your butt out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So like those 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 prayers are are specifically prayers of thanksgiving for God's deliverance. So it's calling like these are prayers they would have prayed on a regular basis familiar to them as christmas carols are to us okay. and you, when you pray these prayers you think about the times when you prayed those prayers so think about all the times in your life when it should have turned out worse but it didn't you know what i mean like you deserved more than what you got
2: mm-hmm.
3: and you were you received grace and that thanksgiving that wells up that's what these prayers are drawing to mind the people that are reading it You know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's kind of like man we have so many double standards when it comes to grace and mercy and judgment like when other people do things man judgment 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 but when it's us You know, we expect people to know our motives and our intentions like you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it's double standards. Mm -hmm. And so I think this confronts us with like, ever you find yourself super charged up, it does some good to take a second and just be confronted by the truth of this, Mm -hmm. you know, like, hmm, you know, all my lists I have for people, they've got them on me too, you know, like. Like think about that in your most close relationships too. And we can keep lists about how those person person people, those people are disappointing us and you know. So something I remind myself all the time when I find feel myself like adding to the list is go, I wonder what their list is on me. Mm. You know, like they've got one too. Man, it's just kinda don't want to do it anymore. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm talking too much. Oh, you got anything? No. Okay. I just wanted to be <laughs> Not sure. Yet. I just wanted to be sure cuz I chapter 4 is my favorite chapter and I don't know if it's probably because of the way it ends and because of all the graciousness but also because I just love this dialogue back and forth and so that's what I was thinking when you said anger is like I don't want to just trash Jonah but all of Jonah's anger is selfish. Mm-hmm. And so it is a difference of like, what are you angry about? Are you angry about injustice? Are you angry about something being wrong or unethical or a system needing to change? But Jonah's just angry about all of God's grace Mm -hmm. for people that he didn't want him to. And he even says it in verse, what is that? Is that still verse one? My eyes are going wonky y'all. In verse one, Yeah, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Tarshish. That's a tough one. That's a hard one. Mm -hmm. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Like... (laughs) just that reflect i'm like wow what a great Mm -hmm. that's a great god keep going and Mm -hmm. then he's like all right kill me (laughs) you know like he's angry about the wrong things yeah and so i think that would be my argument again is like to your point what are you angry about Mm -hmm. and how does god's grace infiltrate what you're angry about because if his if God's great, if he would have just stopped with that line and said, I knew you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. What if he would have stopped there mm-hmm. and let that be his reflection mm-hmm. for what God's doing right now with the Ninevites? Mm-hmm. Yep. But he didn't. Yep. He was like, now I'm mad about it, so kill me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a backwards thought process.
3: Well, and it's like, I want to be because we we have a lot of socially conscious people in our church. So I'm grateful for, you know, people that want to see things wrongs righted. They want to see more justice, mm-hmm. you know. We gotta be careful, because sometimes what we call justice, if we're not careful, can easily turn into like retribution. Mm-hmm. We just want, we want payback, you know. I think real justice is when you get to this place where you see it more about even the people that oppose you, yeah, you know, even the people that are perpetuating systems of injustice. Man, when your heart wants to see them liberated too, yep. Like there are there are things that are driving that, you know. There's greed, there's indifference, and when your heart isn't just for i want to see them pay it's like i want to see them rescue from that man Mm -hmm. that's a whole other level Mm -hmm. you know is when you can become that kind of person it doesn't mean you don't have to speak up that doesn't mean you don't say the thing but it it influences how you say it and i think it also you know you don't do it as quickly and as rashly you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's i think that's what made people like martin luther king so Mm -hmm. you know such an agent of change is because i think He loved his enemy, you Mm -hmm. know, and longed to see them liberated just as much Mm -hmm. as the people who were, you know, Mm -hmm. who were experiencing the the other side of oppression. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why, and I know we're, I think, going to talk about this more down the road when it comes to mercy and justice. But, like, that's why I believe so strongly in faith-based or church-based faith based or church based organizing mm-hmm. and and justice work from the lens of interdenominational and interfaith groups is because when you're <laughs> just doing the work without the lens of Jesus, mm-hmm. and I'm not arguing that you can't yeah. because people have obviously changed the landscape of the world with just a social justice perspective. But I would argue if if you really get it, mm-hmm. like if you're really living out your faith and pursuing social justice, you grab onto that lens of Jesus that says, okay, but in the process, just like you said, Mm -hmm. I'm fixing the system, but I'm always remembering that it's the system that's the problem Mm -hmm. because it's really easy to say the people creating the system are the problem. And so we begin to write them off and get angry. And, and like you said, it's almost like retribution. Um, But that's why I believe in justice ministry so much is like, you can truly change the world forever if not only do you change the system that's broken, but all the people who are in power creating that system begin to recognize that it was broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've changed the trajectory of how we interact as a society. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that's what I would argue things like Martin Luther King movement when it comes to racial reconciliation. Um, the housing project, what is that organization called that was started Habitat for Humanity? Mm-hmm. That was birthed out of a church. Yep. Um, organizations like that change the problem, but they also change people's hearts. Mm. Yep. I agree. That's the only way forward, you know? Otherwise, it just
3: ends up being a different different group on top. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think I think the mission of the of the kingdom of God is to get rid of the top. Like, mm-hmm. we're all just together, you yeah. know? Um that's the drive. And I think that takes a certain sort of conversion, mm-hmm. which is the icky word for some mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. But I think it really is. It's mm-hmm. like something has to happen, you know, in your soul, mm-hmm. I think, to, to really want that. Um, and want it when it's hard, you know, to keep wanting it when it's hard. And genuinely want it. Mm-hmm. So practically speaking, how do we, were you going to add something?
0: I was going to help. Can you help me form a thought? Mm-hmm. So I read this. This story makes me feel like like there is a reminder of like you are neither the wall that stops God moving and you are neither the key that unlocks Mm. the door for God to go through.
3: Yeah.
0: God just goes.
3: Mm.
0: And it's... I read it and I get kind of low mm-hmm. because as a person that has a desire to be a part, to be like, like, I mean, I feel like most people want that sort of level of significant significance mm-hmm. in their life. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, remi- it's a reminder that like, you, like you said, you're like, did, did Jonah ever figure it out or? Like I just imagine Jonah dying, and God just kept moving. Mm-hmm. You know, God, he's just like one. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not remembered like Moses. You know, like who who never got to see the promised land. But we remember Moses because mm-hmm. he, yeah, he. It was an accepted thing. You know, and like I get kind of wrapped up in this idea that like it's it's kind of daunting that like you're not going to be the one like regardless if you like the whole idea of dying on a hill for something Mm -hmm. like you're going to die on that hill and like it's just things are just going to keep moving you know and yeah it's like what is what is your purpose to because he because even like even like if you're resistant to it, like if you are the wall, if you try to be the wall that stops, you know, we have these examples in, in life. Cause I mean, I feel like we're a part of a movement, you know, like the idea of the kingdom, the kingdom being love, Mm -hmm. being for acceptance, tolerance, belonging. Like there are people of the world that try to be the wall that keeps it Mm -hmm. from moving. And like, this is a reminder of, you know, God will just send a a big fish, and <laughs> and move and move move you you know yeah, yeah. and so like, I just don't know what to take from it uh-huh. uh, from that sense like I get the whole like God's grace and yeah you know don't, in terms
3: of our call, yeah it's interesting you brought up most
0: is there is there something about is there something about like because I want to take the the lessons that people say is like don't because that's a that's a short you've come short when you talk about like, don't be afraid of your calling, you know, that's like, like, Hey bro, you're calling. It's like, regardless, it's like, it, it is a stepping stone. Like don't, don't feel like your calling is all about you. You know, like mm-hmm. don't, don't let your ego get wrapped up in your calling. Like, oh yeah, like, cause that, that lesson is about ego. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, but is there a, is there a lesson about calling? Is there a lesson learned in this about like, you know,
3: I think it's it's echoed all over the place. You brought up Moses. There's a funny tradition from the rabbis around Moses. calling at the burning bush. And they, they argue that the bush had been burning for a long time. It didn't just start burning when Moses showed up. Moses is the only one who turned aside Mm. because there's an emphasis on the, in the text, Moses turned aside to investigate. So they like, they ask how long was this bush burning? And how many people ignored it? Mm. Like God had been wanting Mm. to deliver the Israelites for, they were there for what, 400 years? I mean, it's Mm. crazy. Like how long? Mm. It just, somebody didn't, nobody would, you know, uh, recognize the burning bush, the calling. And there's like a humility there. I mean, there's like a a sense of, you know, was Moses, uh, was he knitted in his womb for this specific purpose? I mean, when you look back on his history, you know, he was set up for it, came out of Pharaoh's household. I'm reminded of what John the Baptist says. I love it. This is helpful for me. You know, he says, I'm a voice in the wilderness, you know, crying the message, you know, prepare the way for the Lord. I love that idea. Like I'm a voice. Yeah.
1: I'm
3: not a message. I'm not the, I'm not the message. I'm a voice, which does consider I got something to say. I got, you know, I got weight, but it's not about me. Like the message is bigger than me. Um, I'm talking about this bigger thing, you know? And people who have brought real change into the world have held that tension so well. Like there's this sense of, man, they recognize the opportunity and the importance of them lending their weight to this work that God's doing in the world, but they also know they aren't going to see it fulfilled. And I think there's there's a bit of like, I've, I've seen this, I've, I've felt it creep into people now. I love that, you know, the younger generations are much more conscious about, purpose and meaning with their work. You know, they want to do something that matters. But I think sometimes it's like they're doing it for the high of it. Like they want to see it accomplished. And so you don't often see this stick stick you know, where it's like, uh, as soon as you, you don't see the results you wanted right away or you don't see the change happen fast enough, people can quit, you know? But the people who've like really brought about change have done it with this sense of, I'm not going to live to see mm-hmm. this, you know. the the fruition, you know, Mm -hmm. of this. And I think that's the sort of like dogged commitment you have to have to move the needle forward at all. I mean, think about like women's suffrage. How long did that, did things go before they saw any sort of breakthrough voting or whatever it was? So like all those women who, who did, who fought the, they didn't fail, Mm -hmm. you know, they just, they're moving it forward. And so this balance of my own calling, I have one but it's about something bigger than Mm -hmm. me, you know? It's not about how many likes or shares or listens, or how many people tune into me, you know, or how fast I see my influence. It's about being a part of something that has been going on longer than I've been alive and that's going to continue on long after I'm dead, you know? That's that's where you need to get caught up in, that sort of work.
0: It's like I'm in a boat. (laughs) Here comes an analogy. It's like I'm in a boat and the river is going slow, slow enough for me to, you know... It's going down the bank and it's, it's slow enough for me to build something. Uh-huh. So I build something on the, on the, on the bank, on the, on the the side and I finish it and i look at it and I'm like, oh, cool. But then I'm still in the boat and the river's going uh-huh. and then it's gone. Like uh-huh. what I've built is just back there. Hmm. So like, if like time and life is like a river, like what, it's like, what do you focus on? What do you like what do you what do you value and like the only thing you can really value is is like what you take with with mm. you and that's yourself you know so hmm. like i feel like a lot of people are resistant to like the inward work and not uh, and they val- and they value what what is like an immediate you know value yeah. right. and then it just goes away but then they don't realize that it just goes away and then you're just left with like, well, hmm. I put all that work into
2: mm-hmm.
0: into that, and like, like better yet, like with with Jonah, like he's like so resistant hmm. for that, and he just he never. I was I've always I've just been thinking the whole time about what you said about like, did he ever get it? Did he ever get it? Huh.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. That's really into the storyteller. He mm-hmm. wants you to ask that it. question. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to ask it of yourself. Yeah.
2: Well, here's am, another am thing. Am I going to get it? Like, you know? Jonah made it to prophet status with this, even though the story is satire or whatever, it made or it lunged. into the yeah. Bible. <laughs> like, and it is such a goofy story. I think sometimes we read stories and we try to find ourselves in it we're trying to we usually try to put ourselves in a, mm-hmm. in a better and there's really yeah. nowhere to hide in this right. story yeah you know yeah. you don't yeah. want to identify as a Ninevite <laughs> you don't want to be the pagans on the boat and you certainly don't want to be Jonah mm-hmm. after it'll, all, all of his what yeah. is my word goober-ish um <laughs> so I mean this guy made it to prophet status he mm-hmm. was given second third fourth mm-hmm. chances yeah. Um, yeah like if this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> could do that mm-hmm. Even if he didn't get it. yep but it, it speaks to us and, mm-hmm. and, and how we yep we could have perspective oh, yeah.
1: It speaks also to the way we miss God's grace, I feel like mm-hmm. and the way that we met because you said something profound in the message that could probably ruffle some feathers. but when we were talking about the pagans on the ship mm-hmm. and you were like, who's living more righteous right now? Like the pagans, Mm -hmm. the ones who are praying and faithful, the ones who are saying, no, we don't want to kill an innocent person, the ones who, you know, give sacrifices after the storm ends. Like who's being more righteous in this story right now? And it's like they're still not the point of the story. Mm -mm. They're a part of the story, Mm -hmm. but we're really following Jonah the whole time. And Mm -hmm. I look at that as even more of God's grace Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're still getting something from Jonah who's extended the most grace while the people who aren't the point of the story are still showing us a reflection of God's mm-hmm. grace if we're paying attention. Yeah. It's just filled with that.
3: Oh, it's a universal. Like, there's a strong presence of universalism mm-hmm. in this story. I mean, a lot of people point that out. The universal is heart of God. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not just for the righteous. It's mm-hmm. like God God wants and will rescue everybody, you know. And they point to, a lot of people point, point to Jonah as evidence yeah. of that, you know. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I could talk about that forever, but...
0: And I I think it's, like, not as subjective. I can't if it's right or Um, Like, if it's... Like, if the reader is... If, if it's the reader's responsibility to decide whether or not, you know, what happens to Jonah, then it's, like, the reader's... It's the reader's responsibility to decide who are the pagans, who are the Ninevites, who is Jonah, and you have to read it like that. And so, like for you, like who are the, who are the pagans that, you know, are traditionally just who, who are the pagans that you traditionally disagree with and don't like and are resistant to that? Like, well, guess what? They're going to end up, you know, redeemed. They're going to, they're going to end up redeemed while you're just, you know, on a hill being sad and being angry. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. or sometimes they're being more righteous than you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who wants to claim it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Yeah.
0: I don't think it's ever, I don't think it's ever like the person that, I don't think when you read it, like it's intended that the Ninevites are the people that you, you wish to, that you want, you know, mm. that you want, yeah. that you, that you want to be yeah, the right. people that you want to be, the Ninevites. I don't think it's like.
3: Yeah. Yeah. your example. I mean, that's the parable, the good Samaritan is like, sometimes we read that and we put Samaritan is like a, Homeless, impoverished person, mm, right? You know who does look, look. You know they're they're marginalized and they don't have resources, but they still did the right thing. This, mm, that's not who the Americans were. This guy's loaded. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has enough money to pay for you know this this person to stay in an inn. Uh, they weren't. They weren't just some marginalized people you should feel sorry for. They were in their minds the bad guys. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the radical nature of the story. Mm-hmm. Jonah, yeah, Jonah would be similar. It's like. Who is it that you would say, no, not them. Mm -hmm. They'll never get it. They'll never do the right thing. They'll never turn around. They'll never change. Who's that for you? Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Let them be your, like, this story is supposed to disrupt you in a way, you know, um, in that sort of way.
0: But it's just, I I can't get enough of it because it's like, (laughs) because it's like when you're, when you're even telling it to somebody, when you're telling it to somebody, when you're telling it to somebody, it's like you want to project who you think you are. Lindsay, who you want, the Ninev- who you, th- who, who the Ninevites should be for you. And I'm telling it, and I'm on this righteous hill being like, you know, the Ninevites should be, you know, this, these Ninevites, you know, probably, I don't even want to say the names, I don't want to get it like in arguments or something or like, you're like really, let's like whoever, whoever I think your Ninevites should be. I think your Ninevites should be. But then like, I'm sitting here but with my own like. Ninevites, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, it's there's never yeah. satisfaction. There's never there's never satisfaction. There's never satisfaction in like reading the story. Like everyone has a a humbling. Mm. There's always a humbling response to whether if you're the preacher preaching yeah. the message, you know, because you're pre- if you're preaching about the Samaritans, Samaritans, you know, I don't care. Tucker Carlson. Well, this and, reminds you, me, you know.
3: <laughs> this like, reminds me of something. But you
0: else. have your own, you know. You yeah.
3: Have, I'll wrap it up with this. But this reminds me of something that was circulating yesterday. It's a quote from my favorite pastor right now, Brian's on, but it was circular. All these people were like circulating it. And I was, it kind of speaks to this. It's a conversation. It's a conversation he had with somebody it says that guy, right? Why don't you preach more on sin? And he answers, okay, tell me your sin and I'll try to preach a <laughs> sermon on it. <laughs> and that guy says, no, I mean, why don't you preach on fill in the blank? Right. Mm-hmm. And he asks, is that your sin? And that guy, no. And he goes, why would you want to hear a sermon on someone else's sin <laughs> you know it's like mm-hmm. i think there yeah. is that sense of you know yeah. yeah the thing god one of the things god wants to rescue us from is judgment yeah. itself i mean that's the that's the story of the garden of eden you know mm-hmm. apple represents this desire for me to sit in the judge's seat decide good from bad yeah. you know that is the in the essence of sin is this desire to elevate myself at other people's expense you know and to be rescued from that and just think about think about how that would change the conversations we're having in some of the biggest places right now we can't talk to each other Mm -hmm. and it's because the other side is all bad and we're all good you know Mm -hmm. and it's easy it's easy just to dismiss you know the wisdom that the other side does offer if they're all bad you know just imagine if we could get rescued from this um think things would be a lot better so perhaps here's here's a a little application point i love the question that god asked jonah twice is it right for you to be angry you know when we find ourselves super hyped up about some somebody or something to take a second and ask why am i so angry about this and there's going to be more than one reason you know usually to that question there's going to be way more than one reason there's going to probably be a noble reason you know some sort of wrong or injustice but then there's always that what is it about this like what is it in me Mm -hmm. that is so easily bothered there's there's usually gonna be an insecurity involved too or something that's off you know in some sort of way um there's an application point maybe you know every time we find ourselves super indignant or angry like ask that question of ourselves Mm -hmm. and sit with it for a little bit Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and read the bible because it's interesting Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) dylan you want to pray for us
1: oh sure let's pray (sighs) Jesus, we just pause and um, give you praise. We, we recognize your grace. We recognize your love. Um, we choose to sit in your mercy. Um, and just knowing that it's real, knowing that it's true, knowing that we've seen it through Jesus, and knowing that when we read this stuff through the lens of Jesus, that we see it all throughout the Bible. Um, so I just pray that we'll take the reflections that come from this story and we apply them to our lives in the way that it can be applied, um, that we remember that God's grace has no bounds, um, that we ask the question and and invite you into that question and say, God, why why am I feeling this anger? Um, you know, check me. Uh, bring the spirit into that conversation. And I just ask God that you would utilize this and and, and use it as a catalyst to continue to create an Emmaus community that is curious and not judgmental, uh, an Emmaus community that uh, chooses to to drop the things that you said to drop and pick up the things that you said to pick up, and to always, always be choosing love first and following you always. And so it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.